0: Come and listen to a story about a man named Jed. A poor mountaineer barely kept his family fed. And then one day he was shooting at some food, and up through the ground come a bubbling crude. Yeah. How many of you guys actually remember watching that show? Yeah, a lot of you. In black and white. You know, a lot less hands. A lot less hands. Well, forget about Jed. Listen to a story about a man named. Malvin, a man named Malvin, Malvin Nazat. Malvin was a heavy equipment operator for an environmental construction business uh, that I was asked to manage for the company that I worked for, that acquired it all the way back in 1997. And uh, in this acquisition, I was tasked with consolidating multiple groups in order to streamline the business with this goal of persevering through a downturn in the market. Which of course meant some tough decisions on downsizing the business, on downsizing the headcount. And so I'd been making the rounds, I was visiting job sites and visiting offices to get a lay of the land uh, on the business and on the people so that I could make some informed decisions. And I was being introduced as the new guy from Rollins. The new guy from Rollins which identified me with the acquiring company and therefore as well part of the downsizing team. And so one day, I'm, I'm in the office, and my door is shut, and there's a knock on my door. And I open the door, and Malvin Nazat is standing there. And I had probably met Malvin on one of the job site visits that I had met. Malvin was maybe in his late 50s, around then. And he introduced himself, and he asked if he could come in. And so we sat down at a small table in my office, and I assumed that Malvin was there to position for his job, because there was a lot of that going on at the time. And I said, Malvin, what can I do for you? And he said, I wanted to ask you if you had a relationship with Jesus. And I remember thinking to myself, you've got to be kidding me. Well, actually, back then in my unsaved state, it was probably a little bit coarser than that. But thankfully, even in that state, I didn't say out loud what I was thinking. And I hoped that my shock and frankly, my irritation didn't show on my face. And so I simply said, no, I don't. I don't have a relationship with Jesus. And and maybe it had been the 28 pounds that I had lost in just a couple of months while I was at that office, or the deep, dark circles that were under my sunken eyes, or the greater frequency that my office door was shut, that it had become obvious to some people in the office that there was something deeply wrong in my life, and somehow that got communicated to Malvin, that he got wind of it somehow. And so Malvin, he just gets this thought to show up at the office, to knock on my door, and to ask me that question. And then he proceeds to lay the gospel out for me, this good news that Jesus had come to take away my pain and to take away my sins and to be the Lord of my life. And Malvin, he did all the talking in this brief meeting, which was good because I had nothing to say except thanks. That gives me something to think about when he was finally done talking. And then Malvin we was gone with just this simple invitation that if I ever wanted to talk about more about that, that he'd be glad to do that, which I, of course, had no intention of ever doing. And so Malvin leaves, and I close the door, and I'm thinking, wow, that took major guts. Probably a little coarser than that back in the day. I mean, this guy, he obviously, he didn't know my views around religion when he knocked on the door, but I tell you what he did know. He knew I was the new guy from Rollins. He knew that's who I was, and he knew that jobs were on the line. You want to make an impression on me? Bring me a kolachi. You know, one with the little green pieces of jalapeno in it? Bring me some of that great beef jerky they have at that place on 59 South going to the Conoco job site. Tell me you're trying to put your granddaughter through college, but, just, but ask me if I know Jesus? What in the world was this guy thinking? And it wasn't long after this time with Malvin that I was sent for some physical therapy for some neck and shoulder issues I was having. And my very first appointment was with a physical therapist by the name of Noemi. And after the usual first first session intake stuff, I'm laying on my back on the treatment table and she's manipulating my head and my neck and I'm just laying there and I got my eyes closed. She is just jabbering away about nothing. And then I feel her take her hands off me. And then the room goes quiet for a few seconds. Long enough where, you know, it kind of felt a little awkward. And so I open my eyes and she is waving her hands over my chest. And she says, I feel a ton of negative energy coming (laughs) off you. And I think to myself, oh, brother, yeah, well, maybe it's because my marriage is crumbling and I'm dying on the inside. And no sooner than I finished that thought, she says, do you know Jesus Are you kidding me, I think to myself. Um, No, I said. And she proceeds to tell me about this Savior who came to to give me life that would one day result in no more pain and no more tears. And I'm having this weirdness deja vu about the encounter that I just had with Malvin. So at the end of the treatment, she hands me a couple of these pamphlets that describe the gospel and about how to receive Jesus. And she gives me this mini New Testament. And I'm walking out of there thinking, wow, that took major guts. I'm this new patient. She has no idea what my religious beliefs are. And certainly not whether I care to hear about hers. What in the world was this woman thinking? And of course, back then I didn't understand it at all. But I've come to understand now that what Malvin Nazat was thinking... And that what Noemi, the PT lady, was thinking is that this guy might be dying. I mean, maybe physically or emotionally, he certainly looks like death warmed over. But more importantly, maybe he was dying spiritually. And they were willing to risk their dignity. And they were willing to put their jobs on the line to find out. Like, who does that? And in those moments, I, I got to confess, I was so put off by their boldness. And they made me feel a little uncomfortable, maybe a lot uncomfortable. And yet in those moments, like that potential of making me feel put off or making me feel uncomfortable didn't matter a lick to them. They could have cared less. And I look back now after 18 years of following Jesus, I am so grateful for Malvin Nazat and for Noemi, the PT lady. There's one more person that I want to tell you about that God put in my path ...during that season in my life. And that's a lady named Susan Cacetti. And many of you guys may know Susan. I knew Susan. This was the difference. Unlike the first two, I knew Susan well. Susan and Eddie, they were neighbors of mine. In fact, we had become pretty good friends. And, And one day, Susan simply walks across the street... ...while I'm on the front yard... ...and she starts this spiritual conversation... And in the prior four years that we knew each other, including a very spiritual toga party on New New Year's Eve, we never talked about spiritual things before. Never. But oddly, this day, we did. And actually, I came to find out later that it it had only been a short time before this conversation that Susan's heart had been captured by Jesus. And on this particular day, she felt compelled to have a spiritual conversation with me. And at the end of the conversation, she invited me to visit a new church that she and Eddie had started to attend. It was actually, it was the very first month that this church had been in existence. And and I have to say, in the moment, in that conversation with Susan, I didn't have that same negative gut reaction that I had to Malvin and to Noemi. And and the difference was, I knew Susan. I knew the Cachetis, I had relationship with them. And and so, as it was, I I accepted the invitation to the church with them, and I went one day. And then over several months, as I continued to go back, I came to to this place where I would surrender my life to Jesus. What in the world would compel those people to risk so much? A job. Repercussions from an angry patient. I mean, I had a mind to go and just complain and ask for another therapist a perfectly comfortable relationship, friendship relationship with a neighbor, that they would be so forward to introduce me to who Jesus was? What would do that? And what I came to understand about these people now over the years, what made them act was it was a matter of life and death to them. And get this, it wasn't a matter of their life and death. It was a matter of my life and death. And not life and death like we usually think about it, not from a physical existence perspective, they seemed to believe to the very core that there was this eternal spiritual uh, concept of life and death called heaven and hell that was real. They believed that to the core of who they, they were. These three people, they grasped the reality of that, and God had placed it on their hearts, this call to share with me that the good news that Jesus came to save people from that spiritual death of, of going to hell, and to gain this incredible eternity with God in heaven, this spiritual life, it, that actually starts here in this physical life. And it seemed to matter greatly to them, enough to, to where they would put much on the line in order to make sure that I heard that. It says in, in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, For the Son of Man, that's Jesus, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. It was Jesus' purpose for coming to this earth to effect the ultimate and eternal restoration of relationship between God and people, like one, one life at a time. One life at a time in the here and now. And, and all the way back then when Jesus came, when he walked this earth, every single day, with every sunrise, his heart beat with this white-hot passion for those whose relationship with God was broken. And it seemed right to these people that I should know that. It seemed right to them that I should know that. And so Paul writes in Romans chapter 10, verses 13 and 14, and this is what I think they gripped. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Man, that's good news. Paul didn't write the man, that's good news part. But I just inserted that because that's really good news. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless somebody tells them? And though it seems so illogical to us, God inexplicably decided to task us with this work of introducing people to Jesus. This work of sharing the good news about Jesus, it comes down to us, followers of Jesus, And God has no other plan. And actually, most of you in the room that follow Jesus, you already know that. You've heard that. God has no other plan B but us. And and I'll be honest, for the longest time after I was saved, I had heard that. I heard that a lot. But I just tried to rationalize that that work of evangelism, there's that word. Did everybody just get a little queasy, right? that, That was for specially gifted people like Billy Graham. Or even like pastors like Rick Baldwin. Or even some really special people like Malvin Nazat or Noemi the PT lady. But but not for me. And I know many of you are sitting out there and you're probably thinking the same thing. Well, that work, that's that's for other people. But I'm so sorry to report this. That's a lie. Paul, who wrote that Romans passage, he writes this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Starts with verse 18b, like halfway through verse 18 and then through 20. Get the emphasis on this. God has given us, he's talking to Christ followers. God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. That's what Malvin and Noemi was doing. And that's what Susan was doing. We're it. And some of you may think, man, I just don't see myself as a Malvin or a Noemi where I can just barge into people's lives like that. And I get that. I can totally relate to that. Though Jesus commands all believers to be sharers of the good news, there is, Scripture says, there there is a special measure of spiritual giftedness around evangelism that some people are given. And so we aren't all all a Billy Graham. And we aren't all a Malvin Nazat or a Naomi or Noemi. But I do know this. We're all a Susan Cachetti. Every one of us in this room is a Susan Cachetti. We all have relationships in which we can position ourselves to secure over some time and in a spirit-led way both permission and credibility with people to share our faith and the good news about Jesus. And this is a huge deal. This is a huge deal. Look, people are spiritually dying out there. That is just true. People that you care about are spiritually dying out there. And more importantly, people God cares about are spiritually dying out there. And for those of us that have received this gift of eternal life through, great, through the grace of Jesus, how can we keep that to ourselves? It would be like having the cure to cancer or the cure to stupid. Would we keep that to ourselves? Of course we wouldn't. I mean, what would we be thinking if we had the cure to cancer and we would keep that to ourselves? It has always been God's intention that our heart would beat more in sync with Jesus' heart every day for those that are outside of his love where every day and with every sunrise we would have this growing urgency in us and this growing passion in us for other people to know the saving grace of jesus and that we would be ready to do our part in his pursuit of them whatever that might look like oh gosh how i wish more of us would be gripped with that why aren't more of us gripped with that and and not just in this room across the globe, why aren't more Christ followers gripped with that truth? I mean, we know people are spiritually dying out there. And we have the cure. And God has placed some people in your life that need to know the love and the grace of Jesus. And, And I know some of you, you know who they are. And you are actively and intentionally partnering with God in his pursuit of them. And to you I say, well done, Like, keep it up. But for so many people, you haven't been gripped by God's call on your life to be this active, eternity-shaping difference maker in the people around you. You have the head knowledge. If you're a Christ follower, you have the head knowledge that Jesus has called all of us to this work because you've heard it. You've heard it over and over, but it hasn't penetrated your heart yet. And that's not just for people in this room, that's across the globe in the church. And, and frankly, among all of the warmth and the love, even in this room this morning, there's a tinge of selfishness in it. Maybe even, maybe even more than a tinge, I, I don't know. For some of you, in a moment of brutal honesty, your comfort and your convenience and your pleasure far outweighs the eternal destiny of those around you. That's just true. And and I get that. I have been there. And here's the deal. If you're okay with that, there's probably nothing that I can say today to compel a passion in you towards others. It's just how you're rolling. And I'm okay to leave you and God to work that out. But I will pray with great hope for it because there is so much unlocked kingdom potential in this room that if God would capture some of your hearts... Um, wow, but I know that there's many in the room and, and you do feel the Holy Spirit maybe fanning the passion in your heart just a little bit. Maybe even this morning as, as you hear this, you're feeling a prompting in your heart. You know it's the Holy Spirit saying, yeah, I'm calling you to get in the game. And maybe you even, you're even feeling stirred to say, man, I, I really need to do that. I really want to do that. I pray there's a ton of people in here that would be saying that. And, and maybe you just need a little bit of a kickstart. And, and I want to offer that today. Um, and it's an approach that would be very familiar to many of you. But I've personally experienced over the last nine months, as I've leaned into this, great encouragement, great focus, and a growing passion in my heart for the people in my sphere of influence um, that's changed everything. This could light up Light you up for your desire to get, get involved in God's great cause. And here's a starting point. And again, probably a bunch of you can cut, get, come up here and tell us what it is. Develop what we call around here a top three. I mean, it's so, so simple. In most every season in our life, we believe that God just has a few specific people in mind, three or so, plus or minus, no real magic to the number, that he would intend to use you for in some profound way to impact their eternity. And while we believe that every day God calls us to kind of keep our head on a swivel and to be looking for opportunities to speak truth and love to people about Jesus kind of on the fly like anybody, but I have to tell you, for an anti-Malvin like me, it becomes much less overwhelming when I give myself permission to focus on two or three people that God has included in my current circle of contact or influence rather than every single person that I come in contact with. It just seems to take some of the pressure off for me. And and here's the deal, and I experience this in my life. Most often, someone's receptivity to hearing and affirmatively responding to Jesus, it goes through the roof. It goes up exponentially when someone they know is a part of that process. That was Susan for me. That was Susan for me. Malvin and Noemi, the PT lady, I was like, are you kidding me? and Susan I was like you don't say really it just made all the difference in the world and these people they're in your families although I got to confess for me family's really hard but or they're or they're in your friend groups or they're at your workplace or at the they're at the place that you play or the place you socialize or even the places that you shop and you eat. These are just people that you see regularly. Right now, there's a cashier at a local grocery store that I go to often. And I felt God say, put this guy on your top three list. You see him often. You have an opportunity to get to know him. And so, I don't know, I don't know who it might be for you, but they're around you. And I bet right now, you could think about two or three people in your circle of influence that you're just unsure whether or not they know Jesus. I bet many of you could think of a couple of people right now that you're just unsure as to whether they know Jesus. And, and you can get launched. You can undertake this privilege and this responsibility to be a conduit for God by simply tagging them. Like, just identify them. And, and that, that identification, it comes simply by asking God who they are. Here's the cool thing. He already knows who they are. Like, if you're not sure... Just ask him. He'll tell you. And, and maybe right now you're sensing right now, oh, he's telling me, yep, it's, it's these people right here. And so you've got to identify uh, uh, maybe a top three. And then there's, as you do that, there's four things that we suggest that you do. The first one is pray. Pray. First and foremost, you need to pray. You need to begin to specifically pray for your top three, get this, with every sunrise, With every sunrise, and you're sitting there thinking, well, Dana, with every sunrise, that's every day. Go, You go to the head of the class. You are brilliant. Here's the deal. People are spiritually dying out there. Some of them are people you care deeply about. Do you not have five minutes a day, something that you can invest in praying to God about them? I bet you do. I bet if your heart would get captured for this reality that that you could do that. And, and your prayers, they'd probably be something just like, God, would you please work in their life? Would you please work in the circumstances of their life, in the people of their life? Would you work in their lives, God? And, and your, your prayer might be, God, please just penetrate their hearts and their minds with with who you are and with the good news about Jesus. It would be just those types of prayers that you would begin to pray for them. But it would also be prayers of, how, God, how could I influence them towards you? And that leads to the second important thing. You, you ask God, how can I invest in the relationship with them? God, what can I do to invest in the relationship to begin to draw it closer? Maybe it's simply leveraging a common interest that would allow you the opportunity to spend some more time with them In a comfortable place. Golf course. fishing boat. I don't know what ladies do, but you guys do. Um, Something that they do, that they enjoy, that you do, that you enjoy, that you could spend some time with them and then begin to ask God, now, how do I inject you into this, Lord? Maybe it's somebody at work. Maybe you have the ability to get them on a project to work alongside of you. Or maybe it's an invitation to a meal because... Everyone likes to eat. Maybe the entry point in the relationship is a need in that person's life that you become aware of and that God presses you to lean into. I don't know what it is, but with just some thought and some prayer, God will help you to identify ways to begin to build a deeper relationship. And so be prayerful and intentional just to craft ways to invest in that relationship. And then as you begin to invest in the relationship, look for times to invite them to an event that's spiritually given. You guys are all having deja vus because you've heard this before from us. You've heard this before from us. Ask God, when and what can I invite them to? So that you're not trying to be the only person that is trying to lead them to Jesus. Like, take some of the pressure off yourselves. Invite them to some kind of an event that's spiritually driven. Invite other Christ followers into that process. There are all kinds of imitation-type events, both external to our church. Maybe it's a Christian concert. Man, Christian music is so good today. Maybe it's something like the Leadership Summit that we did this past summer. We do every summer, although that's a long time. Don't wait until then. And of course, there are many things within our church, too. You have at the disposal this entire facility, this entire staff, All of the resources, all of the ministries that that we do here, they're at your disposal to help to introduce people to Jesus. And so use them. Our our Sunday morning services, they're intentionally planned so that someone that may be spiritually seeking would would just feel welcome, where they would have a, a good experience, where they would feel safe, and yet they would have the opportunity maybe to experience the presence of God, maybe to hear him speak to them, and then to have some opportunity to respond to him. That's what it was like for me all the way back in January of 1998, where I just walked in because of an invitation. But because I was there and because I returned a couple of times, I began to experience the presence of God, and I began to hear from him. And, And over time, I was given an opportunity where I responded. Next week's a huge Sunday for our church. This is, this is our last Sunday as Friendswood Community Church. Next Sunday, we become officially the harbor. What a great inv- invitation opportunity. Hey, come, come to our church. We have this huge event happening next Sunday. Invite them even next week. Here's the cool thing about Sunday mornings. They come every Sunday. And so if next, next Sunday is not the Sunday, and I pray that it might be, I pray this place is filled up with people that we would invite. But if not, there's another Sunday after that and another Sunday after that. So pray about that. And then beyond Sunday mornings, we always have invitation-type events here for you to consider inviting somebody that's in your top three world to. There's three in just the next two weeks. You'll hear more about them in the announcements, but tomorrow we have Trunk Retreat, 6.30 to 8.30 here. So you can invite, you can invite a friend, you can invite a, a neighbor and their children to come have a really safe and fun time for Trunk Retreat tomorrow. November 3rd, for men, whenever November 3rd is, Thursday or Friday, our men, we've rented out an entire Cinemark movie theater. And men, you guys have the opportunity to invite a top three or even a first responder or service person to watch the pre-launch of Mel Gibson's Hacksaw Ridge. Huge opportunity to invite. Go have some barbecue and then go to the movie. The movie's on us. What an opportunity. November the 11th, you'll hear more about this. There'll be our first day ever mother-son event, a skating event. I would just like to watch that. But um, it's an opportunity for, for a mom to talk to a neighbor and invite her kid. We, we, all of these are designed to encourage you to bring someone in your top three. And all the details are on our website, so just go to the website. We have great invite opportunities. So pray, invest, invite, and then tell. And then tell, begin to unfold your faith story to them. Tell them how you came to know Jesus, how he's worked in your life and in your circumstances. And let him see how you came to receive this hope that you now have. But don't stop there. Get around to asking them about their relationship with Jesus and get around to telling them how they can have one. Early on in my walk with Jesus, um, I tried to do this I met with a high school student for close to a year and, and I often shared parts of my faith story with him but I never got around to asking him where he stood on Jesus. That very first question Malvin Nazat asked me when he walked into my office, it was a year into the relationship with this, with this kid and I hadn't asked him. And then this kid is suddenly killed in a car accident and I never knew. Okay, that last part's not true. But, no, okay, listen, it could have it been. You guys are sitting there right now and you're saying, Taina, you are such a jerk. And that, and that was such bad form. And both of those things might be absolutely right. But here's the deal. People die unexpectedly every day. And there are people out there, and they are spiritually dying. And if they take their last breath on this earth without a relationship with Jesus, they spend eternity apart from him in a place that is not a good place. And so we have to get around at some point. The, the part about me not asking them the question for a year, that part was true. And so we have to get around to asking. Eternity, their eternity is at stake. Rick, in, in Rick's message on August the 14th, he illustrated this simple, concise way on how to share the gospel using what we call the bridge diagram. And I would encourage you to go back and watch that or if you were here, even to, to re-watch it because he gives you this model where in just a couple of minutes and on the back of a napkin, you could actually explain the essence of the gospel to someone to where if they were inclined, they could actually make a decision right then. Friends, this matters greatly to God. It, because it's spiritual life and death. And so the question is, are you going to get in the game? Are you going to get in the game? I was sitting in my office yesterday morning before the sun came up, and I was having some quiet time before I continued to prepare for this morning. And I got a text from Rick. And those of you visiting today, Rick is our senior pastor and also our, the founding pastor of our church. And he offered his prayer towards my preparation, but he mentioned in it that I would be giving the last ever message on a Sunday morning for Friendswood Community Church. Because next week, we are, when you walk in here next week, officially we are the harbor. And, and the beautiful irony of it being me here teaching today, it hit me like a freight train. 19 years ago, right around this time, it was the season that you would find me in this puddle of despair that I shared with you guys from right here three weeks ago, which was the same puddle of despair that Malvin found me and Noemi found me. And even Susan found me. And because of people like them and then more, as I became a part of exploring who Jesus was through this church, my life got changed for all of eternity. I was given a reason and a hope to persevere and ultimately to thrive even while my world was still broken and even in this broken world. In that first new season of FCC, when it launched back in January of 1998... I was led to new life because of the heartbeat of people that prayed with every sunrise for those that were far from God. And now, friends, we officially enter the next new season of our history next week. And it's time to light up our passionate pursuit of people that are far from Jesus. If more of us would passionately lean into that, would get engaged in this top three approach or something that would compel you to actively partner with God to pursue people for Jesus, we could transform the Bay Area one life at a time. I was just one life. And there's a lot of lives in here that got changed because somebody else was praying with every sunrise for them. And I'm inviting you into that process. And so here's how I want to close. In your program, take out the top three bookmark we stuffed in here. In there, if it didn't fall out on the floor while you were walking in grab the grab the bookmark we're going to give you a minute or so to ask a god who do you want me to include in my top 3 and if you have a if you sense god clearly revealing a person or persons to you then we invite you to jot their first name down on the bookmark and you all got pens today when you came in so there's not much of an excuse you've all got pens if you sense clearly God saying, here's a person or here's a couple of people, then write their first name on the, on the bookmark and keep the bookmark with you in a place that will remind you to begin this process of praying and investing and inviting and telling. And, and if it isn't clear yet who that person is or who those people are, then just keep the bookmark someplace where you can see it, where you can just continue to pray and ask God, Lord, who might it be that you would have me put on here? And then I'm going to go one step further. If you would be so bold, this is a challenge to you. If you have a name, if you write a first name or a couple of names on there, when you do, then write your full name and your email address on here. And I double dog dare you to take a picture of it and email it to me. because, Because we want to include you. We have a team of people praying over people that are invested in top three right now. We have a top three prayer initiative. And I dare you to be so bold as to email it to us so we could be in praying for you and so we could be encouraging you. And that's a bold step of accountability, but I dare you to do it. Let me pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for the day today. Father, I thank you. I thank you for the people that you put in my lives that that understood so clearly the reality of eternal life an eternal separation from you, that they would put everything on the line to make sure that I knew about that so that I could make a decision around that. I'm so thankful for them. And I'm thankful, Father, for the people that are in this church, Father, for the people in your global church that so clearly get that, that they are actively partnering with you in your pursuit of those around them that don't yet know the saving grace of Jesus. Father, I pray across this room there will be first names put on those bookmarks. And I pray, Father, that there would be many that would be so bold as to lean into this with everything they've got. Father, for those in the room that maybe don't yet have a relationship with you, they're not called to do this top three yet, but they are just called to continue to to pursue you with all that they are so that they might come to a place where they can make an informed decision about your goodness and your grace and your love for them and this eternal life that you have for them that can even start right now. And I pray there might be some in the room that even now, in an authentic prayer of their heart, would simply say, Father, forgive me for my sins. I want Jesus to lead my life. I want to have eternity in heaven with you. And that, and that all across this room, Father, maybe there would be people that might do that. Father, thank you for this bold invitation that you give us to do this work.